Christology. It's one of the important elements of theology, and we're doing a series on Theology 101. My name is Dan. I'm with Ben. We're the teaching pastors at Life Fellowship in Metro Charlotte, North Carolina. And as part of our ongoing series on uh, theology, it's kind of from a layman's point of view, from an introductory point of view. We're not trying to be seminary professors here. Yeah, we can't get too deep. We can't get too deep, but we've looked at theology proper. Mm -hmm. We've looked at uh, bibliology. Mm -hmm. And today we're going to go to Christology, which is basically, you know, it's, it's a central doctrine with, within evangelical Christianity, Mm -hmm. Christianity that explores the nature and identity of Jesus Christ. That's that's correct. It's what makes us different than all the other religions that have some theology based on a on a uh, you know monotheistic perspective Correct. or whatever um, and and so Ben you you are you are my favorite theologian and um, I'm gonna I'm gonna slap your hand every single time you call me an expert I'm gonna smack it because I'm not an expert I, I, I didn't I, say you're an expert I just said you're his favorite this I time I said favorite yeah that's right <laughs> take so. the compliment <laughs> yeah. don't be a jerk <laughs> I just I just want people to know like like I don't so view, I don't view myself as an expert. I just try to study before we talk because you know how many times like you turn on the microphone and people like just start spitting out ideas like they think that podcasting is like this wonderful opportunity for them to share with Stream of consciousness. (laughs) I'm just like, I just try to make sure I know what I'm talking about. Yeah, but you, I mean, you you do have a seminary degree. I do. From a reputable seminary. Yes. and and you are an exceptionally well-read person, and I appreciate that about you. By the way, I'm reading a really cool book right now. Can is, I tell? Can I, can I go? Can I go rabbit trail right is now? This one you're telling about sure yesterday? No, no, it's a different one. See, so, yeah, um, like he reads twelve books at a time. I don't read twelve books. I probably four. But <laughs> so in, I'm so impressed with that. <laughs> it's called the mysterious case of Rudolph Diesel. Have you heard about? Yeah, this? Yeah, I didn't see this coming. So <laughs> you, we all know who. <laughs> Rudolph Diesel is the man who who Any invented relation? the diesel engine. Is he related to you? No. Oh. I mean, his first name, Rudolph. You know. He is German, though. Anyways, his story is fascinating because a lot of times when we think of the greatest inventors of that, that mid, you know, late 1800s, early 1900s, I mean, we have Edison, Ford, you know, and Tesla. he was Tesla. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's all these guys. And he was one of them. He was one of the great influencers and he had a vision in the World Fair early uh, 1900s to have the the world run on diesel engines powered by plants. And if he if he had won the battle of ideas, unfortunately, there's a guy that was uh, his antagonist. His name is John D. Rockefeller that made a lot of money off of gasoline. If diesel would have won and we would have powered our vehicles by plants, which we have the cap- capacity to do, this whole green nonsense would not even be an issue. Anyways, he went he disappeared off of a boat at, right right before World War One, and he had two great enemies, John D. Rockefeller and Kaiser Wilhelm II. And there's a, it's just like it's fascinating story of what happened to him. Anyways, and now I want to read the book. You have to. It's so good. Anyways, we are getting off track from Jesus. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We promise we'll we'll make up the time. But uh, all right. So so. Back to where we started. And now I'm, I'm thinking about all these different things yeah. in my head about diesel. <laughs> <laughs> diesel engines. Yeah. So, but Christology obviously is a unique a, a unique attribute to Christian theology. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, because, you know, uh, when we studied theology proper, when we looked at, you know, the Trinity and, and these these different things, obviously Christ is God. God is Correct. Christ. Correct. Um, so, w- 
why do we break it into a separate section? I think it's important because as much as we want to point to, we, we, we delved into a bit of this with the uh, study of the Trinity, that the, the doctrine of Jesus being equal and, and power, authority, nature, um, you really have to f- understand the fullness of the nature and person of Jesus, because this Jesus is the fulcrum by which all of these other religions. I mean, if you don't get Jesus right, you don't get you don't get salvation right. You don't get God right. You don't get faith right. And so, you know, where where you have people that want to make Jesus into less than a God, you have that error. Um, or what I should what I should say this: less deity or less humanity. There's always these doctrinal errors that either diminishes humanity or diminishes deity. And either one of those is a ditch that leads you into heresy and it leads you away from true biblical Christianity. So that's why Christology is so important because the doctrine in the nature of Jesus is always, always, always under attack, always. Mm -hmm. And so it was under attack from the very moment of his ascension. Who Jesus was, what Jesus accomplished, is one of the fundamental doctrines of the Christian faith. And you better know how to defend your belief in in who Jesus was from the Mormons who will knock on your door, the Jehovah's Witnesses, to um, Islam, to just every, everyone, everything. What do you do with Jesus? There's a lot of people that are very okay with this idea of God. The problem is their idea of God is really a reflection of their own person. So Jesus cuts through culture, religions, and says, you've got to make a decision about me. You can't make God into your own image. And so what, who Jesus was and what Jesus did is fundamental to our salvation. It's fundamental to our faith. And it's really the, the testing mark to say, is this person really orthodox or not? So, so that's why you got to get the doctrine of Christ, Christology correct. Well, you started off <clears throat> by alluding to the divinity of Christ, yeah. and that's probably the foundational element yeah. of Christology. Yeah. So what do we mean when we talk about the divinity? Okay, so I've got I've got five main areas because you got the humanity, you got the divinity, you got the humanity, and then you kind of got the the terminology of of both of those. Um so when it comes to the deity of Jesus Christ, I think one of the things that we have and again, I'm I'm going to be just surface level kind of things. There's five things that you can point to in scripture that you can say, with without a doubt, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, full the fullness of divinity. Okay. Um, number one is Jesus claimed the titles and names of God. In in John 8, 58, he says, Before Abraham was, I am. Um there are other times in scripture where where he's referred to as Lord, as God. You know, even Thomas acknowledged him, my Lord, my God. So so the names and the titles, when claiming equality with Yahweh in, in John 8, 58, that was one of the most profound statements of his divinity. Number two, Jesus possessed divine attributes. So you have Jesus' Jesus's eternity. Uh, John 1, 1, you have Jesus' omnipresence, Matthew 28, 20, where he says, lo, I'm with you, but, you know, to the end of the age, his presence is always there. His omniscience, he, he declares his his death and his resurrection in Matthew 16. Um, he knows how people are thinking. I mean, there's just, um, the, the, he, he bears that that characteristic of omniscience. He's omnipotent. Um, he is able, he not only has the power, the authority, but he's able to do all things. He commands the the weather. He's uh, he creates, he's, he heals. There's, he's more than just a miracle worker. He is able to do all things. There's nothing that he, he's unable to do. Um, 
the other thing is he's immutable. Uh, Hebrews 13 verse 8 talks about that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Um, and, and so you have these, remember we talked about in our episode on the incommunicable attributes of God. Jesus is the only human being that was able to take the incommunicable attributes of God that rest with God alone and say, I have them and, and displayed them for all to see. And so that's a that's one of the most profound proofs of Jesus' deity. Uh, number three, Jesus allows himself to be worshiped. This is probably one of the biggest ones because there's other people in the, there are other characters in the Bible, you know, when angels show up, they're like, whoa, 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 don't bow down and worship me. God is the only character that's when people fall down at his feet, they're like, yeah, I get that. Like, mm-hmm. I deserve this. Jesus receives worship when his disciples worshiped him um, after he calmed the storm or after he walked on the, on the water. Um, he receives worship from the crowd on that Palm Sunday, right? When they're shouting Hosanna. I mean, he doesn't say, hey, be quiet. Like, you shouldn't be saying this. In fact, when he's when people charge him to have these people stop saying it, he was like, no, if, if they stopped, the rocks would cry out. Like, people need to worship me. Um, after the resurrection, he received the worship of his disciples and saying, yeah, I, I deserve this. And so Jesus received worship as God because God is the only one that deserves worship from us. And so when people say, well, Jesus never claimed to be God. Well, <clears throat> let me tell you something. He 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 did a lot of things that that only God can do, mm. and receiving worship is one of them. Second one is he forgave sins. Mm. He had the authority to forgive sins. You remember he, there's that one scene in the Bible in the narrative of Scripture when the the paralytic is brought down. You know the the, the his friends you know bring this whole you know cut this hole out in the roof. They lay him down, and the first thing Jesus says is my you know your sins are forgiven. He doesn't say you're healed. And instantly, what happens? The Pharisees are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Mm-hmm. Only God can forgive sins. And at that moment, he he understands what, what the battle is for these people in their heart. Well, he lets them know, I've got this authority. And not only forgives them of his sins, he heals them in that moment to show them he has the authority to forgive sins. Um, and so whenever you see Jesus forgiving sins, instantly the religious leaders are like, you cannot do that because only God can do that. And he willfully says, yeah. Exactly. Um, and then, you know, you also have this issue of, of Jesus creating. It says in John um, 1 verse 3 that, 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 he, that through, the, through him all things were, that all things were created. Um, Colossians 1, 15 through 17 talks about him being the, by him all things were created and through him all things exist or are sustained. And so you have these, these are the five major ways that we can point to, even if just one of them, I mean, anyone can claim to be God, but he proved it. He backed it up with his actions and 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 obviously from raising from the dead, he was able to conquer sin and death. So I mean, that's probably the, his greatest work of 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 uh, su- supernatural ability, but Jesus proved himself to be God and he not only said it, he showed it, he taught it, he received it, and I think it's it's a done deal. Yep. All right. <laughs> Any debate on that, Dan? Yes, we're all agreed. <laughs> no, I mean, and 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 I think, you know, a lot of people when they when they make these superficial arguments about mm. about Christ, they don't go to that that level of detail. They don't go. To, in other words, they're spouting something they heard somebody else gave to, give to them, but they've never really studied. For well, I think you know, I mentioned that whole John one passage a couple episodes yeah, and ago. E- and in every characteristic you mentioned the scripture. Yeah, way, right. Which 100%. is always essential. 
And, and what you're going to find is people that will read a track or a document or a book by Dan Brown, and they'll come up with some theory about, you know, l- let me tell you something. The, the the church did not come up with, and I know I mentioned this in another episode, the church did not come up with the doctrine of the deity of Jesus 300 years after he, no, it was from the very moment the writings of the the, the eyewitnesses pointed to the deity, the fullness of God, as it says in in uh, Colossians, the fullness of who he uh, of divinity is in Christ. There's no diminishment of that, and so he was fully God, fully fully man, and so the deity of Christ is, is a doctrine yeah, you have and, to learn how to. Defend. And that's such a common argument that you know the three hundred year, five hundred year, yeah. whatever, and 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 it's such fallacious argument because. All the, the the reason they did was to clarify the verbiage, 100%. and to take away some of the ambiguity yes. that yes. had developed over the passage of 100%. time. Hundred percent. Yeah. All right. So, divinity of Christ. I think you've made, I've made yep. a very clear case on yep. that. What's What's the next one that you? I have would in say your... humanity of Christ, because you really have to. And again, I believe I mentioned this in one of our previous podcasts about the Trinity. the The doctrine of of Christology was really when you read the first two hundred years post um, Jesus. A lot of the, a lot of what they had to defend was the humanity of Jesus. Again, this goes back to Gnosticism. This goes back to the idea that the material world is evil, and you can't have a god, you can't have divinity taking on human flesh. That would be obscene to, to people uh, in in their cultural framework. But Jesus proved to be fully fully human. Um, we see this in the scriptures. Number one, um, Luke two. He was he had a very natural, normal human birth. It says that he was he was born from a virgin. For, and I'll we'll visit the virgin birth in just a moment. Um, but he had a very normal birth, and he had a and he had a physical um, growth period. It says in the end of Luke chapter two that he developed as a normal human being. Right, like it, it, it's not like he I. Jesus didn't come down and born as a baby and then all of a sudden be able to talk like a grown man. Like he put himself under the limitations of humanity, um, even though there were times he picked up the divinity that 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 had no had no human bounds. Um, <clears throat> so we see we see he had a no, normal childbirth, a normal human um, growth and development. Luke chapter two, um, Jesus got tired and thirsty. John chapter four, the the story of the woman at the well. He goes, he's been traveling all day, and what does he say? I'm I'm tired, I'm thirsty, I need a break. You know, he again he allows himself to feel the fullness of humanity, even at the temptation of Jesus. He fasted forty days and forty nights and experienced hunger, um, so that he could. And and again, Hebrews is a great uh, a book about this, that he could in all in all points be be like us be tempted like us yet without sin like he experienced the fullness of of human humanity for us and with us and so um talks about that in Hebrews 2:14 um another one John 11:35 everyone's favorite bible verse when you're a kid Jesus wept mm-hmm. he shows emotions he, he there's there's tears that he sheds and then of course his death he dies a literally human death when this when the soldiers put a spear in his side, very physical elements, the very natural, the, the natural way of which when a body dies, the the water and the blood starts, like that happened to his physical body. And so you need a physical, you need a physical human in order to have salvation possible. Okay. Yep. Do you know why? 
I'm going to share why. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if you do not have a full human, you cannot have full salvation for humanity. You can't, in order for there to be salvation for humanity, there needed to be another human being that could do what Adam didn't, couldn't do. Okay. This is why Jesus had to be virgin born. People are like, well, why? There's a book that was written years ago by one of our favorite theologians, your favorite theologians, Rob Bell. And (laughs) (laughs) it was called Velvet Elvis. And there's a lot of things in that Rob Bell in his early writings, I think resonate with a lot of Christians because he was able to poke holes at some of the problems within evangelical Christianity. And I think, you know, the most dangerous books are books that, that give a good um, diagnosis for what's wrong, but a very bad prognosis for how to fix it. Um, and you got to make sure you get both of them right. If you get the diagnosis right and the and the you know prescription wrong, you're really doing more damage than than, than good. And and a lot of heretics do that. So um, Rob Bell wrote a book called Velvet Elvis years ago. And in that book, he talked about and said, "What's the big deal if we find out that Jesus had a father, had a real human father? Like, what's the big deal?" Well, it's a major deal because he is the second Adam. In order for him not to have the the passed down lineage of a sin nature. He had to be born from without a without a father. The Bible teaches that, and we'll get into this into our homotheology study. The sin nature is passed down through two, two, two views: either seminal headship or federal headship. Both are ideas that um, seminal headship is your 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 sin nature is passed down through the uh, progeny of your father. Okay, fertilizing an egg—that's seminal headship. Um, fe- uh, federal headship is the idea that Adam was a representative for for us, and when he sinned, it it condemned all humanity. Whether matter what you believe in federal headship or seminal headship, the reality is there had to be another human being born that did not have a father, just like Adam did not have a father, and except God, God was his father, and so. Um, that's that's why Jesus had to be born of a virgin, that he was created like Adam was without a father, without a human father. Um, and that that made him fully human. He was he had the full characteristics, the fullness of humanity, yet uh, was fully divine as well. So the virgin birth is necessary because he's able to be, you need a fully human person that's able to be our substitute on the cross. When we get to the idea of, of the atonement, if you don't have fully God, fully man, and a full full human who is righteous, the death and sacrifice of Jesus means nothing. You have to have both of those characteristics there. And so that's why, and great, uh, the two, two other terms, just let me t- touch on really quickly as we end this part of Christology. You'll hear people talk about the incarnation. The incarnation of Jesus is the idea that Christ, that the Son of God, that the eternal uh, person of the deity, second person of the deity, took on flesh. Okay, that's what incarnation means. Um, John one fourteen talks about that. Another fancy term you'll hear batted about is hypostatic union. The hypostatic union is really the undiminished deity of Jesus with his perfect humanity forever in one person. So let me just say that again. It's undiminished deity and perfect humanity forever in one person. So when we talk about the nature and identity of Jesus, it is 
fully God, fully man. I know we've said that a million times, but to me, it's one of those things that what the whole point of this episode is, you got to get those, that's like the foundation of Jesus. And so those are two things you got to get right. All right. So as we've started our study on Christology, we've looked at the humanity and the divinity. Yep. We've looked at the incarnation of Christ Mm -hmm. and then the impact of the hypostatic union. All right. So in our next episode, we're going to be looking at several other of the attributes of Christ and why they are significant to this doctrine. <clears throat> now, if you're if you're one of those folks who, you know, you at, at some point say, wow, this is too deep, let me just give you a challenge. You, you know, if, if this is eternal, if mm-hmm. you're literally pinning your, uh, your, your soul on this, do you not think it is worth a few moments of your time to study why you believe what you believe? Yeah. And, and I think so many of us have been uh, uh, satisfied with a superficial knowledge uh, that basically says, well, you know, I trust Christ, I'm good. Um, and in doing so, not only do we set ourselves up as vulnerable to uh, to the lies and attacks and distortions that, that come with uh, satanic uh, attacks on, on who Christ is, but also we never understand the full richness of mm. our salvation mm. and all that God did in order to make our redemption possible. Mm. So, Ben, thanks for this. I mean, I, I love the fact, you know, you're basically putting this on a level where everybody can understand it, and yet it's far deeper than the typical person mm. tends to think about these yeah. topics. So it's been a great conversation. We're going to continue our study of Christology in our next episode. As always, thank you so much for listening to us at Life Talk. Share us with your friends and neighbors, if you would, on social media and other ways. And until next time, thanks as always for joining us at Life Talks. You've been listening to Life Talks. Be sure to hit the subscribe button so you never miss a new episode. Share this podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to let your friends and family know about Life Talks. We'd love to hear from you as well, so leave a comment and let us know your thoughts on this episode or any other topics we've discussed. Life Talks is a ministry of Life Fellowship in Cornelius, North Carolina. For more information on Life Talks or Life Fellowship, visit LifeCharlotte.com or you can find us on Facebook at Life Fellowship Charlotte.